This episode of Bookmarked is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. That's audibletrial.com slash bookstacked. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Avoid legal snags by telling people they're being recorded. You're being recorded. Oh, no, I'm not okay with that. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> I for this. I need to phone my lawyer. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you, everybody, uh, for joining us today. This is our first ever bonus episode, and we're totally not prepared. <laughs> I feel like I'm not prepared. <laughs> Have we ever been prepared? I feel like yeah. I'm not That's prepared. That's Michael. Have we ever been prepared? Oh, man. Basically, uh, we sat down and we did sort of a, well, not sort of, we did do a planning session for the next year. We kind of planned out the entire show over the, for 2020. And one of the things that came up were bonus episodes. We just kind of had a lot of ideas and a lot of different things we wanted to discuss. And we thought, why not do some really short episodes, um, sort of as extras? And so that's what we're going to be doing, and we're doing it with this first one, and it's a Valentine's Day special. So, of course, you know, Valentine's Day, depending on who you are, is like the greatest day of the year or the worst time of the year, kind of like the Hunger Games. So, yeah, we're going to dive in and have a discussion about romance in YA books and sort of tropes that we see in YA when it comes to romance. But before we dive into that, Let's just do a quick rundown of everybody who's here. So we have Addie. Hey, guys. Spencer. Hello. Michael. Hi. And Mary. Hi. Now, Mary, you are, or how should I say this? You really like <laughs> romance in your YA books. Am I wrong? <laughs> you, you are not wrong. Um, <laughs> You are completely on the money right there. Uh, it has to have just a little bit of romance um, in my books. It's okay if it doesn't, but I really enjoy books more if they have, like, if the main plot is romance or if there's a subplot or just a sprinkling, like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it's safe to say that this is your territory, probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... What did, what are some of the things you wanted to discuss about why, YA and romance? When we sat down to talk about, uh, our year coming up, like a lot of you guys didn't really seem to read a lot of romance in your books. So how do you guys, first of all, feel about romance in books? I feel like a lot of times the romance will be used as 
how do you say this? Without sounding very, like, angry about it. Um, like, it's used as, like, the main plot for, like, the female character. Like, that's her end game instead of something else. Like, she's doing whatever she's doing because that's the only thing that she wants. My favorite example is, like, the Hunger Games. There was romance in the series, but it wasn't, like, Katniss's main, like, end game. That wasn't her goal. I hate to say the word, but I'll touch wood Twilight. (laughs) (laughs) I know it wasn't the only thing about Twilight, but that's how a lot of it can be perceived in Twilight, is the opposite of the Hunger Games, where it was entirely Team Jacob or Team Edward. Like, all anyone really cared about at the end of the day was who she got with in the end. But I think that was a lot of the perception, because I don't think that a lot of that story was to do with that, because I think it was pretty obvious that Stephanie Meyer was Team Edward, so more was made of the romance than I think had to be, if you know what I mean. I agree with you that a lot of people kind of blew up the romantic, especially the love triangle in Twilight. I I do think that was partially because of the marketing of the book. I, I remember like the posters and the bookmarks were like Team Edward, Team Jacob. The one thing I think about Twilight, though, is that it is specifically a romance novel. Like, it is a, it's a vampire book, but it's also, a lot of the main tension comes from the question of, like, are they going to get together and how are they going to get together? Whereas when I look at something like The Hunger Games, Hunger Games seems to be more speculative before romance, and the romance seems more added on. Does that make sense? Um, and so in that, sense like I don't mind romance in a romance book. I don't usually seek out romance books because I don't think it's my favorite genre. But like in Twilight I didn't mind it too much because that's kind of like I went in there with the mindset like I'm reading a romance, you know? Um but then there are other books where I feel like and maybe this kind of goes to Addie's point, I feel like romance sort of becomes a distraction of the larger thing that's happening or Sometimes the author kind of heightens the romantic tension or the romantic conflict to like almost the same level as the main conflict, you know, like getting with the right person is just as important as saving the world from this dictator. And that's for me when romance sometimes falls apart or where I kind of get a little frustrated with romance in books, if that makes sense. As we all... um jump to in this conversation these like mega blockbuster book series it does make me reminds me of i think how integral romance is to ya like whether you like romance or not you're going to be reading a lot of it if you're reading young adult Mm -hmm. books every if you look at like the the best-selling books in the last few years across the decade you're going to see romance worked into almost all of them even if it's not the central part of it i think of books even like the example that came to mind was like the hate you give the romance is like the last thing I think about in that book, but when I thought about it, I'm like, oh yeah, but there is a whole plot line with Star's boyfriend that's like really present and such a big bestseller, you know? Mm-hmm. So it almost feels like it needs to be there sometimes. We didn't mention that we were going to have another person on this episode, Eleanor. Uh, unfortunately, she's unavailable right now. Uh, but one of the things she wrote was sometimes it would be nice for there not to be romance in books. Romance doesn't solve everything and shouldn't be an end-all cure to protagonist problems. Sometimes it's nice to read a story about a person for themselves without that added element. Um, so I totally agree with you, Spencer. Like, it's, it does feel like a necessary ingredient to YA. It's almost like if it's not there, it's missing something as a YA book. But I also question, like, does it always have to be there? You yeah. know? Yeah. 
<laughs> no, I, I, I agree with that. I think like there's a pressure from the market to include a YA plotline um, for it to sell. But I, I really like what Eleanor wrote and, and agree that I think there's a lot to explore in teenage relationships outside of romance. And especially just in exploring like friendships and how friendships or parental relationships, there's all these other relationships that sometimes go ignored in YA. I mean, especially parents, they just get left out half the time. Um, so it's interesting that rom- romance has taken such a focus in the field. I think for me, like I do enjoy it when it's done really well. Mm-hmm. Like I love it in Harry Potter. I liked it in The Hate You Give, like you said. Love it in The Hunger Games. For me, sometimes I just feel like a little tired of it. But at the same time, there is like an entire I don't even think just corner, like a large population of YA book readers who love romance, right? So mm-hmm. I kind of have a question for you, Mary, is like, okay, <laughs> what, what is it that you love so much about it? Like what, I guess, uh, what does it add to you, to your reading experience? I don't know. I've always kind of been a romantic ever since I was little. So I think that's kind of like what makes my love of romance books so like prominent twilight came around came around when i was like in middle high school and those were huge so a lot of the books that i've just kind of like read had a lot of romance in them. <laughs> so it just became a huge thing in my reading life i should say that i soaked it up to reading up like in harry potter um i would have never like admitted this to people but at the time and i'm reading whenever it's like there's like a Cho Chang or a Ginny kiss. I'm just like more, more. I just, it was, <laughs> it was so interesting. And it, to me as a young person, I was like, this is what romance looks like. Like I'm like taking notes from my Harry Potter book. Not Harry and Ginny, or not yeah. Harry and Cho. <laughs> no. Yeah. yeah, things didn't always work out, but. <laughs> yeah, I think too, it can be used as a great tool sort of to, to explore characters, right? In a way that you wouldn't be able to explore them if they're only always trying to save the world. You know, some of like those mm-hmm. deeper character moments come out of romance. And so I really appreciate it when an author, a really skilled author is able to tap into that and sort of make that happen for sure. I do think though that going back to that topic, I forget who said it about how there always seems to be romance in YA books is that like since YA is such obviously for teens, um, especially girls have grown up with that whole like gender thing about how uh we should always be like thinking about weddings and trying to find that perfect guy especially like in our middle school and high school years that's like really prominent in a lot of people's minds so i think that's also where a lot of romance comes in too in the YA book along with that like what do you think are some of your favorite romance tropes that you guys have maybe read, like enemies to lovers, maybe love triangles we've talked a little bit about, um, best friends, sister or brother? What are the things you most pick up on? Can I share what one of our listeners sent in yeah. about this? So we went on Twitter. We have a Twitter account, by the way, at bookmarkedya. <laughs> um, we went on there. We asked people kind of what are some of their favorite romance tropes. And we had one of our listeners chime in, MJ Henson. They said their favorite romance trope is rivals to lovers can't get enough of that. <laughs> and Mary is raising <laughs> her hand. She totally 
is an agreement. I have to say I kind of like that too when I read the books. I think because for me, one of the tropes that I don't love as much is insta-love, which yeah. I think yeah. is, is present not even just in YA, but just like in, in stories in general. But I, I kind of like the the enemies to lovers because generally that story arc means that they, they kind of have to take some time to get to a point where they trust each other and, and where they kind of like fall in love, you know? So I, I totally agree with that one. Yeah, I like that one, the enemies to lovers one, especially because like there you can see the, there's like growth between the two characters. That's what I like. And then also like friends to like lovers. Kind yeah. Of. Yes. Not as much as enemies to lovers, but friends to lovers. Because usually one's an idiot who doesn't realize what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> Eleanor actually included that one in her notes too. She said, best friends to lovers has been one of my favorites throughout my life appeals to the romantic in me and sets an, an arguably unrealistic precedent for life. I totally agree. But totally. reading is for escapism anyway. Yes. <laughs> so, yes. uh, I agree. Yeah, there's something about reading that too that kind of gives you like hope. Uh, but I, I don't think it's a great one in practice. <laughs> in real life. Clearly Saul is not a romantic. <laughs> no, I agree. I love a good friends to lovers romance i love when uh the main character just like reveals that they've had this like secret crush for 12 years and (laughs) and they're like building up the courage to say something and you're just cheering for them hoping that it goes well like and it feels like such a such a courageous moment when they finally reveal their feelings that they've had for all this time yeah i'm a real sucker for it i'm bought into the whole idea one trope that i've been seeing a lot lately that um I don't know if it's, I don't know how I feel about it yet, so I'm interested in what you all think. Is the pretend relationship yeah. romance when they, when they start to, they're fake dating yes. and then they start developing real mm-hmm. feelings? I don't know how I feel. You seem, you're reacting strongly. How do you, what are you yeah. thinking? I was going to say because Eleanor wrote it on her notes. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because that usually like tends to like blend in with like the friend who's in love with the other friend who has yeah. no idea they're in love. And so that it, like the friend who's like, has the feelings is dumb enough to be like, yes, I'll pretend I'm, I'm, you know, I, like, I'll pretend to date you just to get your idiot self out of, like, trouble or whatever. I'm a sucker for those, I have to admit, because you always know the ending anyway. So, like, it's like, there's, like, no risk of, like, your emotions being hurt. I'd like to add, uh, bring up a couple more points from Eleanor's notes. Okay. Um, one of them she wrote was important, it's important for romance and YA to cover all formats given it's A, impressionable, and B, a varied audience. So, for example, it's important for LGBTQ plus um, individuals to see themselves represented in romance and to give them those lovely romantic butterflies I felt when reading growing up. Um, I don't, I like kind of hesitate to call it a trope, um, maybe more of a trend or just representation just might be the right word. But that's definitely something that we've seen a lot more recently and is becoming a lot more prominent. And we've had some huge titles in the last uh, several years that I think have definitely played into that. And that's been amazing for the community. Mm -hmm. Something that I've really enjoyed seeing, um, I read a lot of LGBTQ literature, and it's really fun to see uh, some of these familiar romance tropes, whether it's enemies to lovers, friends to lovers, whatever it may be, when you see new relationship dynamics because of the better representation, um, it can take a lot of like stories that were familiar to you and then make them just really interesting and wonderful to read over again. I, I think of like tropes that I've really enjoyed in the past that then whether it's a gay couple or 
a bisexual character, whatever it is, just makes it more interesting to me. It feels like it's it's more. I, anyways, I like it more than just reading the same recycled tropes over again. So I really have enjoyed um, the good representation that we've seen in YA recently. Well, I think this has been a great discussion. Uh-huh. Thank you, Mary, for bringing this up. Uh, hopefully we didn't make too many romantics upset. <laughs> I think once we started talking about the tropes, you know, we kind of see that there is a lot of good stuff to love about romance and everything. It can really make a book. I think it can also break it sometimes for me personally. Yeah. But when done well, for sure, it it can really enhance a book. Yeah, and I think it's, it's, it's done well a lot more often than it's done badly. Mm-hmm. But you just, you just notice it more when it's done badly. Definitely. Well, thank you, everybody, for joining us for our first ever bonus episode. I think that went pretty well. (laughs) (laughs) If you want to keep up with the show and with all of us, you can follow the show on Twitter at BookmarkedYA. Bookmarked has an ED at the end. If you're listening to this, you probably already know that. Anyway, (laughs) like we put up up prompts uh, and we're trying to interact more with our listeners there. And then you can also follow our website as well, Bookstacked. Just look up Bookstacked on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. We're on all three of those. Otherwise, I think our next episode is going to be a decade in review, which might seem a little late because that seems kind of like one of those things you do at the end of the decade. But I feel like there's a lot of good stuff we could just talk about there. So anyway, that'll be coming later this month, probably the last week of February. So keep an eye out for that on your feeds. Until then... See you next time. Bye. 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 something to listen to after this podcast is over we always suggest reading a book and what better way to consume books than with audible in the subway or in the car when you're mowing the lawn or doing dishes it doesn't matter where you are or what you're doing you can always catch up on your tbr list with an audiobook and for listeners of this podcast audible is offering a free audiobook download when you sign up for a 30-day trial at audibletrial.com slash Audible selections includes books like Victoria Aveyard's Red Queen series and Tomi Ediemi's Children of Blood and Bone. Again, go to audibletrial.com slash bookstack for your free audiobook. And don't forget that even if you quit the trial, you get to keep the book. <laughs>